0: Today on Dragon Ball, the World Martial Arts Tournament continues even as the skies darken overhead. A storm is brewing, but an angry sky won't distract this crowd from the action on the arena floor. The next bout of the tournament is moments away, and after the excitement of the previous matches, none of these hungry spectators is going to miss it. Krillin dominated the first match with a come-from-behind knockout blow. Jackie Chun also used a strong win to win his bout. This time, Yamcha was the victim of the sudden gust. <laughs> Next, it was Nam who was victorious after resisting the feminine wiles of the alluring Ranfan. And now the match to determine the last semi-finalist is about to take place between Gotu and Guerin today on Dragon Ball.
1: Welcome to Another Day, Another Adventure, a podcast dedicated to covering every Dragon Ball cartoon ever. I'm Harold Colton, and with me today, as always, is my co-host slash friend Sakaki. How's it going, buddy? It's going good. I'm ready to get into some adventures today. All right. And uh, on this episode of the podcast, uh, we have uh, not one, but two guests. Uh, we're trying out a full room today, and yeah, on this episode, we're, we're, we're having a tag team match. It's Colton and Sakaki versus V-Lord GTZ and Lum Ramayasha from all kinds of podcasts. Uh, and yeah, I didn't know where I was going with that segment. Uh, how's it going, guys?
2: Hey, hey, I'm show artist. Life is the only life for me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i don't know how to respond to that so just hello (laughs) hi i'm v lord
1: oh man um yeah uh i we have uh both our friends lamar mayasha and v lord gtz on uh lamar mayasha uh being from a such podcast that we mentioned on the show before as manga mavericks and uh hashtag lum squad and uh, V Lord from uh, a bunch of podcasts that Sakaki happens to be on, including Demon Slayer podcast, Oversoul of Sh- uh, Shaman King podcast, and Saturday Night Shaggy. Uh, I think I got everything right. Yeah. yeah. Folks, the
3: New York Times recommended Demon Slayer podcast. You're, you're right. You're right. Ex- excuse me, sir. Uh,
1: the, the, the New York Times recommended Demon Slayer podcast.
4: God, I can't believe that sauce.
1: Believe that. <laughs> Look, honestly, I don't blame V Lord. If I was him, I would, I would lord that over everybody too. Like, I totally don't blame him. Um, <laughs> if if this podcast were New York Times recommended, I would never shut up about it. I'm just warning you guys ahead of time in case we ever get interviewed by New York Times. Uh, New York Times, if you're listening. Uh, my DMs are open. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, on this episode of the podcast, uh, we are going to be covering episodes twenty three to twenty five. Uh, as we continue through the 21st martial arts tournament, the Tenkaichi Budokai, uh, as we finish up the quarterfinals and get through the semifinals. And yeah, um, I guess even before we like get to the episodes, you know, I don't exactly know at this point what the Venn diagram is of like people who listen to this and maybe like our other shows, um, though. Maybe that's a weird thing to say, because we have early episodes of this on the Manga Patreon, but you never know. Um, so in case anybody's listening to this, and maybe they haven't listened to Manga Mavericks or the other uh, VLOR GTZ Empire podcast, uh, I kind of want to, you know, uh, give the audience a chance to get to know you guys kind of talking about uh, your history with Dragon Ball a little bit before we get onto the show. And I'm going to start off with the question that I always ask everybody uh, when they come on the show for the first time. And I think I know the answer, but uh, j- just just so the audience knows in case they're curious. Um, did you get into Dragon Ball through Tanami? And if not, then how?
2: It was through Tanami. Our histories are pretty intertwined, so I think maybe we'll go back and forth in describing how we got into Dragon Ball. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely through Tanami, but not, you know we've told this story before, but not from Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z. It was really Dragon Ball GT that got us into Dragon Ball. Uh, me in particular, uh, watching episode 40 of Dragon Ball GT when that premiered on Toonami. That I was just at a party my parents were at and just watching TV. And Toonami was on. I just watched that episode and... You know, I wasn't particularly interested in Dragon Ball, but before that, I had seen, you know, instances of Dragon Ball, particularly while I was overseas in India, uh, when we were visiting family and it was just playing in Hindi over there. I remember vividly seeing some Namek air episodes, uh, distinctly remember seeing the Goat Curran and Dende high from Vegeta when he's, like, out-killed Dodoria and it's like, sensed them. And I remember Vegeta, like, uh, stealing the Dragon Balls and for Frieza's step and stuff. I remember some scenes vividly from that, but I didn't really watch the show. I was just on, and I saw clips, and I didn't really seek it out much. But it was—when I saw that episode of Dragon Ball GT, episode 40, Piccolo's Decision— that interested me uh, even though obviously it was like the end of an arc and, and a lot of stuff that wasn't going on just kind of the some of the relationships between the characters in, between Piccolo and Goku and Piccolo and Gohan and that kind of encouraged me to want to watch more and so I watched some of the Super 17 stuff after in the weeks following and then you know, I had a little uh, break where I wasn't really following the show, but then, kind of in January two thousand five, I caught a glimpse of um, one of the last couple of episodes, sixty one, at the end of the scene where like a Dragon Ball is popping out of Goku's forehead, and that was intriguing to me. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting, and so I checked into the next episode episode 62 which had like Nova Shinron and King like come back to help Goku fight Omega Shinron and that was an interesting episode I thought that character was interesting and the resume of Goku is interesting and then I just watched the last couple episodes of GT and I didn't realize they were the last couple episodes of the show and so when the final episode played and the big montage of like all the iconic moons the series were playing a lot last episode of gt like i was sobbing i saw for the the next couple days because i just got into this show and now it's over and i was very very sad because i thought i'd really missed out on getting into this
1: that's kind of adorable honestly yeah, no,
2: <laughs> looking back, it was kind of funny, because, especially because I remember, you know, while well, I was still sad and looking to see if they were going to rerun it, uh, I realized, like, on the next week's schedule, they had a new episode listed. There were lost episodes of Dragon Ball coming, <laughs> so it wasn't over yet. There's still new <laughs> things to watch, new Dragon Ball to watch, so that was... Fun So I watched that, and then, you know, that's where my love affair with Dragon Ball came from from there, because as I started to seek out uh, anything I could, Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball uh, started reading the manga in March of 2005, picked up volume 18 DBZ, that was my first manga I ever bought, first volume I read, Uh, and I was watching and reading everything from all different parts of the series and franchise at the same time. Mm -hmm. Dr. Slump had just come out in English, so I also started reading manga for that, too. And yeah, that's and I also got obsessed to like going on the Dragon Ball websites from Funimation that they had back then and reading all the character bios and seeing what episodes of what characters appeared in because it had like lists of what episodes a character appeared in on the character bio pages on the websites and I just was reading everything about it. And of course that got me into discovering the Toon Zone Forums and Kanzenchu, that honestly got me into the Nami community in a big way, uh, with reading sites like the X Bridge and Tanami Info Link, and of course the Tanami Forum on, uh, Toon Zone, as well as, you know, just getting me to watch more anime on Tanami in general, like the stuff around GT, like Zach Bell and, uh, shows that premiered on only from Ben's Fork in 2005, I would watch, and then that interested me in checking out more anime, which, uh, also led me in 06 to discover the Funimation channel block on Colors TV, which, uh, in the fall of that year would start airing reruns of the original Dragon Ball, and they only ever really air the first 30-some episodes but they aired it, like, every day, and so I memorized and watched episodes religiously, uh, and that's kind of a reason why I wanted to be on for these episodes. There's Specifically, episode 23 is one that I always was fond of, because at some point during the rerun rotation of Dragon Ball and Colors TV's Funimation channel block, they got into a pattern where on every Friday... It would be like the same set of episodes would be run, hmm. uh, like episodes three, eight, 13, 18, 23, 28, 33, and then back, uh, the three. So, like, it just got into a pattern where, like, I could reliably find, oh, from episode three and then five episodes onwards, there's just a pattern. I knew what episodes to expect, uh, on particular days. And, uh, during, The school year, I couldn't really watch TV on, like, Mondays through Thursdays, but Fridays I could, so those episodes, like, 3, 8, 13, 18, 23, 28, those are episodes that I've seen the most out of all the episodes of Dragon Ball because I could watch Dragon Ball more on Fridays compared to other days of the week. Um, So I'm very fond of those episodes, and I especially like this uh, episode, 20 Street, because I always was fond of the non-human characters in Dragon Ball, and I like gear and design, I like how much of a Healy is, I like the big opening scene in the saloon, and I just really like the entire episode I played that so that's why I was like really fond of it didn't want to come on for it and uh yeah so from there you know I've been lifelong fan of Dragon Ball and curatorial and stuff so yeah I mean and we learned uh, to add on to that like uh you know what what else about your history with Dragon Ball you know a lot of our shows similar but
3: yeah I mean given that we literally, grew up together because we're siblings it's kind of <laughs> mostly the same the, the one thing i will say is that i believe my first exposure to dragon ball that i at least remember is uh i believe either 2004 or 2003 i watched uh an episode of dragon ball on tsunami and it was the episode right before king piccolo first like interacted with like goku
4: oh wow
2: Yeah, now that you mention it, there was one episode of Dragon Ball I remember watching on Tanami. Like, most of Dragon Balls, or especially original Dragon Ball, I did not watch on Tanami. I mostly watched, like, this first 30-ish episodes on Color TV and then just on my own, however I could watch it. But there was one episode I remember watching on Tanami, and that was, like, the episode where Goku met Snow and was just telling her about, like, the Dragon Balls and, like, his experience like with the Dragon Balls previously and stuff I'm Snow getting upset at Mulan's Wish and stuff like that so yeah I remember I did see that I did see a promo I think for Cooler's Revenge no Cooler Return of Cooler but uh yeah other than that I didn't when Dragon Ball was like in its prime in Tanami, I didn't really watch it. It was really only last couple of us as a GT and then uh, the DBZ on cut airings in the summer of 05. And then later, oh they man, those yeah. on Tanami. And then, you know, further reruns of DBZ on Tanami from there uh, and on Cartoon Network from there.
3: Yeah, like Dragon Ball's heydays, Like, I was a bit too young for because, like, I was born in 1998, so I would have been like three or four. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, like, I probably saw some, like, Dragon Ball in, like, India whenever we'd visit. Yeah. But I don't remember any of it. I remember Pokemon, but not Dragon Ball for whatever well, now reason. When I think
2: about it. You probably were six when I was uh, getting into Dragon Ball. It was like winter of January of 2005. I actually remember an exchange between us when we were little kids. And I was like, I want to watch Dragon Ball. And you didn't want to watch it. But then, you know, we watched it anyway. And then from there, you also got into it. Which, uh, it's funny, that's also a lot of experience with a lot of early anime. I remember we had that same thing with you, uh, you watch Slayers. I was like, hey, let's watch this. And then, hey, let's watch this. And then, what do you know? It became both of some of our favorite
3: shows. <laughs> yeah, with Slayers too. though, it was like the whole toxic masculinity phase where it's like, oh, I don't want to watch a show where a girl-made character. When
2: you were nine years old. <laughs> nine years old was when you first watched Slayers. <laughs> yeah, right. that's just the danger. Tossing that she sure you there when he gets you that young.
4: <laughs> oh man, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's why it took me so long to like start watching things like Heart Kept to Sakura and stuff. I was like, that's girl stuff. I don't want to watch that. Yeah, I, mean,
2: <laughs> I did not have that problem. I always was interested in seeking out girl shows and excited for them.
1: With me, that kind of stuff was very selective. Like, I I wouldn't have like. I vividly, this is a whole other thing, but I I vividly remember there was a time in... Elementary school, where um, I think my class and I had like gym that day, and I was talking to a friend about like whatever episode of Powerpuff Girls I had watched like the night before, and another one of my classmates came up behind me and was like, "You watch Powerpuff Girls? That's a that's a girl show or whatever." And I got I got so much shit for it that day for some reason because Powerpuff Girls happens to be a, a a show where the girls are main characters or whatever. So t- I didn't mind watching Powerpuff Girls, but there were definitely, I-, I would definitely come across other things, like especially in terms of anime and manga that I wouldn't be interested in. Like uh, I-, I remember I had a lot of friends in high school who were really, really into Oron High School Host Club and I never would try it because it's like, oh, it's shojo That means it's for girls. I don't I don't know if I'd be into that. And now- Completely it- <laughs> the opposite with me. Yeah, yeah. Like
2: i sought out Oron- and watched it when I was in middle school and loved it. And, uh, yeah. Like when I was a kid, like I, I genuinely wanted to see more shows, uh, with lead female protagonists and like having a big roster of female. Characters because I was noticing how diminished roles women often have in a lot of cartoons, especially in action cartoons. Yeah. And so I was always wanting kind of more representation. I mean, I. So that's one of the reasons I gravitated toward anime originally is that I was seeing like some more of those shows like Slayers and like Oran that like were giving me kinds of female lead characters that I wasn't seeing in. Western media as much. Don't. Of course, there were shows that I really enjoyed, like Pepperand and Ginger and Possible and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I think there was just a little more uh, variety
3: of it
1: No, I totally agree. Um,
3: I mean, I guess uh, speaking of representation, like that does remind me. I think one of the first things that I found very memorable about Dragon Ball when I started watching it on uh, Colors TV was actually the fact that like Nam like was a character because like oh yeah uh, being indian like uh you kind of tend to have to grasp at straws to find any sort of representation in like any Mm -hmm. american media back then like you had your apu and uh apu isn't exactly the uh god of Indian, especially representation. after season thirteen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the watched sweet oh, no, or... Sweetest apu. Sweetest apu is the worst <laughs> Simpsons episode ever.
1: I, I will definitely uh... take your word on it. Um, I just want to say, for the record, that I eventually got into Oran High School Host Club, and I think it's a a really good show. And I can't wait to read the manga eventually, probably for Manga Mavericks in the future. But anyway, um, I guess. Um, well, I see you. You brought it up, V Lord, and like I was. I was probably gonna try to mention it uh, later, but um yeah we're, we're kind of talking about it now. I was kind of interested in like how you guys thought about Nam in particular because I don't I mean, look, I, I don't really know me, me being a white guy, I'm not gonna pretend I know anything about like Indian representation in like uh, especially uh, North American media in general, but like I uh, I don't know, I, I guess I was kind of uh, I was kind of curious about how you guys just felt about Nam in particular just as a character.
2: Well, I mean, Jerry Jewell in the dub is kind of doing an Apu like thing. Uh, uh cool. The he does not sound <laughs> up well at all. It, it, he's coded as India mostly and especially <laughs> oh, no. through that. I think that his background, it feels a little more Middle Eastern-ish now that I look at his character. Though obviously, you know, there's still like a Buddhist element to him. What would his name be based off? Namu? I mean, um, abootu. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little ambiguous in that way, like kind of a mix
3: of cultures. It's this weird amalgamation of like, Daisy and Middle Eastern references with him. Yeah. Because mm. like when they also show like his family too, his family members are wearing hijabs, and yeah. but he's still wearing a bindi. Yet he's doing Buddhist prayers, and yeah, it, it's it's weird. <laughs> It could be his family is just uh,
2: multicultural and they have different uh, religious beliefs between them, which is uh, cool and so lie, But it it kind of feels like Toriyama just took some stereotypes of uh, Saudi Asian and Middle Eastern you know imagery and then uh, just combined
3: them into some
2: a stereotype of a character in the form of Nam.
3: Toriyama just looked at them like, oh, they're the same, right? We we'll just make them <laughs> <up> one character.
1: <laughs> oh man, um, and and this is not to like, um. I guess while we're just while we're still on the subject. Um, this is not me like excusing Toriyama's depiction of certain like POC characters or whatever, but like th- that is something I've always kind of like enjoyed about Dragon Ball. I think something that's kind of like uh part of the reason I kind of gravitate towards it is because like uh especially very early on, like the Dragon World is so like Multicultural and like so varied in terms of like the kinds of people and species even that live in that world. That I don't. It's even if there are some like very unsavory stereotypes here and there that don't necessarily hold up. I I at least appreciate Toriyama trying to like uh build this interesting world. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where I'm very mixed on it. But I'm I'm at least happy that he tried something. I guess again I hope that doesn't come off like I'm trying to like excuse it. But I don't know.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, like, I guess, like, thinking from my perspective when I was a kid, like, I don't remember any other Indian-esque characters that I watched anime, so that Mm -hmm. definitely left an impression on me, and I feel like, while Nam is not the best representation of the cultures that he's referencing, he's also not to the level of, say, Apu, where he's doing legitimate negative impact either. Yeah. Right, he
2: isn't, like such a stereotype that is kind of like the butt of jokes and like this idea of like oh this Indian who runs a convenience store and that's his that's all his life is is just running this convenience store
1: and his catchphrase is thank you come again
2: yeah and you know a thick accent that is being done by a white guy you know is and yeah you know Jerry is also though, doing kind of the same thing with Nom in the dub um, but I will say I like Nam as a character. I I liked his character when I was a kid. I still like it now. I think he's sympathetic, and because he has something like very personal he's fighting for in terms of like getting the prize money to buy water for his starved village, like that is suffering from a drought. Like I think that is a compelling thing. So you know, there's stuff that I like, I like that character. I wanted him to return more in the manga. Obviously, he does it in the anime. He will. Um, and I like that they give actually closure to Nam's arc in the anime more so than in the manga. Like we see him return to the village and we see him find a way to bring water to his people. So I like that. I will say also that I do appreciate with early Dragon Ball, that there were more people of color in there that had some major roles. Like, that's also something I always was keen to notice and wanting to see more of in media when I was a kid. And so even though the representation is scarce, I do like Upa and Bora. And I do like Staff Officer Black, uh, even though there are some problematic aspects of, like, how he's drawn. <laughs> Just the fact that, obviously, a black guy is named just
1: black and what kind of on the nose, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, you know, I think they're interesting characters and so I like their roles in the story. Um yeah, and I think it's a it compared to later on, it's like, you know, when you get into DBZ, you kind of lose that multicultural cultural element, and that's especially true in Super. Uh as like the dragon world becomes kind of less interesting and more like uh, they're just, like, a lot of humans and mostly just Japanese humans around and, like, with the occasional utter person. Like, you get, like, Killa or whatever in the 25th tournament in the Boo arc. Uh, you have U, but—and Oob, I really like in what they do with him in GT, but they don't do enough with him in GT. But, you know, I, I will say that uh, it's not perfect— it's not like the best representation, but I can appreciate the efforts of some of these characters. Not in particular We Lord's Right, you know, honestly, uh we're kind of begging for Scots a lot at the time when it comes to Indian representation in anime and manga. I mean you got Lala and Gundam. Uh, the best character is probably to me it's definitely Nisha from Princess Jellyfish. And that's manga only, but she was great. And she's just a hilarious character and awesome character
1: with little baggage. She is pretty great, yeah.
2: And yeah, otherwise, you know, most of the other depictions I can think of are like their prince, uh, Indian prince characters, and like Black Butler and Emma. Uh, there, those are those characters are fine. Uh, they're I like them well enough, but they're not also like. Best representation because they also play upon stereotypes and whatnot. yeah,
3: that's the thing. Like you usually are falling into this bucket of like, oh, the Indians are royalty. or they're they're like these super spiritual people, like Lala. Which I mean, can we, can we just have like a normal Indian person? Yeah,
2: and also basically kind of like her role is just to be like a person that's fought over for man pain reasons between haro and char so yeah
3: she's the reason char is gonna try to blow up the earth with an asteroid not much agency of her own unfortunately even though she
2: could she could potentially be a very interesting character and she you know because of her background and whatnot but alas and then yeah i know it's kind of a story i'm sure if i thought about it more I could think of more Saudis Asian more Indian characters in anime manga but like you know it is very slim picking so Nam at least is a character who I think is compelling and I enjoy seeing him in Dragon Ball and always wish that he had appeared of more and that is also true of Upa and Bora later on as Native American characters mm-hmm. you know I also wish they had appeared more but I again I just I appreciate them for what they are even though they could be better
3: but they're hardly the worst. I will. Say. At least Nam made it into Budokai Tenkaichi Three. Oh man, yeah, yeah. yeah I actually really like playing
1: as him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I totally agree with everything you guys said. Um, it, it just comes down to the thing we were. Uh, I think we talked about this when we had Granton that like t- to Toriyama's depiction of like POC characters is one of those things where it's like it's clearly problematic, but I think you can argue that it doesn't come off as malicious. It just kind of comes out of ignorance, which I'm not saying is necessarily better, but it's not one of those things where Toriyama's like, oh, I'm going to show the readers how I really feel or whatever, you know? Um, but it, it could still be better, though.
2: Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem with Toriyama's depictions is just with his black characters, he draws them with you yeah. know, the big lips that are uh, from the old Sanbo stereotype that is based on racist minstrel traditions, uh, that is unfortunate that was so emulated and popularized in Japanese pop culture and continues to be. So that is unfortunate. I'm glad that Viz at least erases those in the manga. Mm-hmm. So even though it's kind of, I'm glad we, it, that they did that, I think that's, uh, that was a good choice. Unfortunately, I, I think it's unfortunate that the dub, the English dub, like when it comes to a lot of you know, foreign coded characters, they will give them like tick accents and stuff, so again, I mentioned Jerry Joel is doing that with Nam here, doing what Harry Shurer does with Apu, and then also, like, the guy who serves milk at the saloon is also coded as Indian in the dub with a thick accent, and like, kind of stilted language, and that's weird, because that's not necessarily a thing in the Japanese, although also, again, drawn with big lips which is not good, but...
1: (sighs) Yeah, I think Bob Mackie put it best in uh, when they covered uh, this episode in particular on uh, what a cartoon that uh, when it comes to the dragon world, it's a very like punch out view of the world. Essentially, Uh, I really like the way he put it because it's very, very accurate. But um, honestly, I was not expecting to get into this like right at the top of the show. But I I think it was definitely necessary. I won't lie that that was kind of something I was wondering, like while watching these episodes, as much as I, I like Nam as a character a lot. I think he's a very compelling early character, but it, it, it is really hard to not like have that kind of stuff like in the back of your mind, you know, he's unfortunately not like 100%, you know, unproblematic or whatever. But um, I do want to kind of go back here a little bit and talk about episode 23, because as you mentioned, Lum, uh, this was the episode you wanted to be on to talk about if you just want to go ahead and take it away. If you had any like general thoughts you want to put out there.
2: Well, it's from fun facts to start with, Ooh, fun um, facts. these episodes first aired on Tanami on Monday, September 17th, 2001. So almost 20 years exactly, but same week, basically, we we're recording this podcast. So I thought that was just a fun thing. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, episodes 23 and 24 first broadcast in Tanami that day, uh, same day as the premiere of, uh, the first episode, the Boo Saga on Tsunami, uh go on going in high school. So I thought that
1: was a fun bit of trivia. Oh man, hmm. I was I was in first grade in two thousand one. <laughs> oh boy.
2: And then uh, you mentioned you know Giron's voice actor uh, Banjo Ginga before, and yes, yeah. when he had an incidental role earlier. But yeah, he also plays other characters uh, in Dragon Ball that I really like, the Colonel Silver and Bora.
4: Ooh, okay. Actually, yeah, no, I do. Now that I think about it, even though I haven't watched it in a while, now that I think about Bora's voice, yeah, that is him.
2: Yeah, very different uh, going from, like, the kind of scoundrel cheater that is Giron to the very honorable Bora. And then you have Colonel Silver kind of in between. (laughs) So, I appreciate that.
1: Doesn't he also eventually voice Broly? Or am um, I thinking somebody... No, that's still, he's that's King Vegeta. Yeah, oh, okay, still okay. Been, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, I got he's that wrong. Still been-
2: <laughs> he's King Vegeta. Oh, actually, to answer your question earlier, when you t- brought up Banjo-Gingham, did King Vegeta ever actually appear in the series? In the manga, he never appears, but... King Vegeta is in the TV series. That's like, right, yeah. Not just the Bardock movie. Like, there are flashbacks in the TV series where King Vegeta appears. So
3: I remember just those, actually. I just want to make yeah. note of
2: that. But uh, also, I really like Giron's English voice actor, Andrew Chandler. I think he does a great, like, gruff, scummy uh, voice. And very fittingly, he also voices a similar kind of scumbag tournament competitor in DBZ, Spopovich. Oh wow! He okay. also is pretty uh, known all around for villains in DBZ and Dragon Ball franchise because he's also cooler, and he's General Rildo in GT, and also and I'm very familiar with his voice, especially because he is the narrator of Dragon Ball GT, and so you know. I his delivery of last time on Dragon Ball GT has always uh, reverberated in my brain these past sixteen odd years, and especially after rewatching a, like GT dubbed uh, earlier this year, you know I'm very familiar with his delivery, and I'm quite fond of it. So enjoyed. I enjoy all his performances.
1: I'm really excited to have you on for GT when we get to that in like a decade or whatever. <laughs>
2: You no, know, it was quite a trip uh,
1: to revisit it,
2: you know. As I expected, there were stretches that were a real drag, but there were <laughs> some, some, really, some genuinely good stretches, too, that I appreciate. It's, a, it's an interesting mixed bag. It was fun to revisit as a part of the franchise I hadn't revisited in a in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I guess another thing to note, since I did watch these boat dub and uh, sub... I do appreciate in the dub how they expand on the narrator's recap of what happened next. Like, they really let Bryce Armstrong just kind of go on a big spiel of like, oh, here's the tournament and here's how exciting it is. Here's everything that happened last time, where it's, it's very cut down in the original Japanese and like oftentimes the episodes begin and there's like kind of just a montage set to music before the narrator like pops up at a line or two and the dub like the narrator really goes on from the where we started the episode all the way to the title screen like they expand narration I appreciate that though because I love Bryce Armstrong rest in peace like he's such a great voice actor with just a commanding voice and presence it's always just fun and so nostalgic to just hear his narration. So, that's something I really like about the dub, that they do actually expand the narration in most episodes. Um Similarly though, one thing with the dub is that they'll add in a lot of extra dialogue to scenes yep. uh, where there originally wasn't. And this is true of, like, the kind of opening standoff between Goku and Giren in the rain. I mean, just also to comment on, like, when the narration starts in the dub, like... In the Japanese version, like, we see that first shot of, like, the clouds roaring above, and then we pan down to the little kid noticing the rain. Like, narration in the dub starts, like, right from that opening shot, where it's in the sub that's all just set to music and narration. But, yeah, when we get into, like, the standout between Goku and Giron, uh, like, in the sub, like, there's just it's mostly just silence and music with them just staring at each other but in the dub they expand like the tournament announcers deliberating over whether they're going to cancel the match or not like they're like if once i'm hey no the match is still on folks and then literally a second later is like wait hold on no we changed our minds uh the match is canceled until tomorrow and then the announcer is like calling out to goku and giren Just like, because, you know, they're still staring at each other and he's like, wait, have you guys heard me? Like, your match is canceled. (laughs) And, of course, in the original Japanese, that element of it is not there. Like, the tournament announcer just announces that it's canceled, doesn't comment about the fact that Goku and Giron are still staring each other down in the ring. So what do you think? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the director has not postponed the fight as of yet. The match is still in progress. Wait a minute. I have a new ruling from the director. The match has been postponed and will resume when there's a break in the weather.
1: Apparently, the fighters didn't hear the announcement over the storm.
2: Goku! Kiran! Your match has been postponed until a later time! I like the scene and how it's played out in both versions, honestly. I like the timing of, like, the announcer liberating and then trying to call out to Goku and Giron while it cuts to them with the lightning flash of Goku and Giron, like, staring to it out. It's a really good opening scene with good opening tension in both versions. Very different approach, but I like it all the same.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I, I haven't, like, watched the dub for any of these episodes. I've been strictly sticking to the Japanese just because that's what I'm interested in watching first and foremost but I'm I'm glad that you watched both cuz it is interesting to like hear about the dub and like the choices it makes and honestly from the little bit I've watched of the dub kind of here and there like going through the show I don't I don't think it's like a bad dub so far um but you know there are also you know choices like that where it's like Oh, you know, th- like w- one of my least favorite things when it comes to like early dubs of like shows f- meant for a younger audience, them trying to get on North American TV is like that fear of like, oh, we can't have too much silence, otherwise, like, you know, kids won't be interested or whatever. So I- I'm not a fan of like that mindset personally, but it-, it-, it, like, I I could say that like both approaches are valid. I think like one is at least a little more comedic than the other, but I also do. Like you said, I like the approach in the original episode where it is, uh, where there is kind of more tension there as like the rain keeps going and there's lightning in the back, uh, you know, flashing across both Goku and uh, and Giron. It, I think I prefer that a little bit more, but I, I I can't say that the approach in the dub is like a bad one per se, but it's just not my preferred one anyway. But that's just me.
2: I mean, I, I like it. Again, I like both versions. I mean, I... Enjoy Eric Vale as the tournament houncer a lot. So yeah, he's
1: good. Yeah. You know,
2: again, much like Bryce Armstrong getting like extra chances to you know strut his stuff, and I like, enjoy Eric Vale. So getting more of those opportunities.
3: Mm-hmm, for sure, it is
2: just also worth noting, but that this entire opening section, all the way up to the eye is anime original. And the manga, of course, there is no rain that interrupts the tournament and delays Goku and Giron's match the next day. Like, basically, the entire first 10-12 minutes of this episode is basically anime invented. And, uh, they do reuse the scene of Giron entering into the arena and roaring like, at the start of the episode, and then after the eye catch when they begin the match again. So, very cleverly, they reuse their animation there. (laughs) Do the same scene twice.
1: No, yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of, like, the first half of this episode, uh, I really like what they did with it, actually. Like, uh, yeah you know i i i think the running theme with the show here so far is that I'm really enjoying what they're doing with the with all of the original stuff that they have to come up with because i really like this approach to how they like have to pad out the episodes you know c- compared to what we're gonna have to deal with later where it's just like oh uh, we're gonna have to have two characters stand off and stare at each other for like half the episode or power you know all, all the like you know uh stereotypical kind of stuff that people complain about
2: yeah, no, it's integrated better, and it builds up character. Like, we yeah. set up some extra tension for Goku and Giron's match, and we get more character building for Giron. And I like the setting of uh, the saloon that they go to, with, like, the piano music playing, the characters just hanging out and chilling. Mm-hmm. I like Giron entering into the saloon, like, wearing his, like, purple coat, like, just clad in it with, like, a big, you know, hat, too. And then he just goes up to the counter. With his wings poking out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, his wings are, like, really crammed in there <laughs> under the coat. It's funny. That can't be and comfortable. He just, no, not at all. And then he just goes up to the counter, and, you know, he's this big tough guy, but he asks for milk. And then, like, Kurin's like, bullies from his temple are, like, laughing at him. And then Giran just like, shows him what's what when they, like, start egging him on.
1: Like, I appreciate that. Which, by the way, um... I don't know why these guys think it's a good idea to, like, pick on a giant dragon monster.
2: Yeah, no, they really are looking down on Geron. They're, like, saying that, oh, the tournament has just come down to a monster, an old man, and two kids. Like, the tournament has really gone downhill. Like One the of these things is not like the not, other. It doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> yeah, no, you'd think they'd be in <laughs> David Geron. He's way taller than them. He's, like, this big huge dragon monster and yeah he like crushes he defeats all them handle he just turns around swings his tail and causes them all to collapse
4: on the ground and he does it with style too
2: (laughs) yeah he turns around and just punches them one after another later while milk is pouring
4: yeah exactly that's what i love just the whole stylish thing like they have the milk pouring and he's just owning these guys before it's done and he still has his like well i'm here to kick ass and drink milk I'm gonna get the milk ready. ton to kick ass, <laughs> and then like he gets all of that done, and then he he he's he's already ready. The milk's ready for him. He just takes it. I I just I just like the idea that this dragon monster just is here for his milk. Like yeah, <laughs> that, that's just such a like hearing now that that wasn't really a manga. Uh, wasn't in the manga, which I could tell because like there's definitely a deliberate pacing in Toriyama's works. There's like. When I say deliberate, I mean fast. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> so, like, the it's not, we've discussed it on the show before, I definitely am not going to say that, oh, you know, Toriyama's not good at character building, because clearly Dragon Ball as a franchise wouldn't still be around if the characters weren't, you know, pretty well received. But definitely, his thing definitely seems to be more of, I won't even say streamlining it, just the thing where it's like... He just kind of introduces characters. He gives you the storyline and he's like, all right, Go. <laughs> and that, that that that's 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 what you get. You know, you get what you see on the package. But I do like this, so I could definitely tell the first half was definitely not a manga. But as you guys said, I like how it was handled and just that not only from just the standpoint of all right, here's Giron here's what he stands for what because like the episode before we had him and Goku in like a, a eating contest. <laughs> so like I just like that We're piecing together Giron and these different like kind of scenarios with him. Rather than, you know, hey, he just shows up and here's a dragon monster and Goku fights him. But I also just like the fact that Toei went into they the storyboarding and, you know, art direction for this part was actually pretty stylish for a scene that really didn't require it, I mean, yeah, he could just walk in, be, you know, bodied all of them and drank his milk and left. He's just, like, fucking cool all of a sudden, and I wasn't yeah, really like, expecting exa- that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, especially after the last episode where Goku's eating food and he's like, oh, I gotta eat faster than this little kid I just met. <laughs> <laughs> but then all of a sudden he comes in here and he's like, yeah, baby, and he just stylishly destroys everybody and he's still got time for his, you know, vitamin D, which... Like, and I mean, just some of the shots of this, this like episode, you know, I mean, for the first part are just really impressive. Like there's one scene where I guess it's when Yamcha finally, you know, steps in to stop him. And then like, it's the, it's from like the cameras on the floor and facing upward. And I just really like that they're both talking like during this scene and just like, yeah, some of the real artistic choices of this, like it's cemented. I ended up watching the episode last time. You know, for our last episode, I just ended up going too far. (laughs) But then I watched this one again for this time session. I was like, yeah, this is still really well put together. Yeah. And And it helps, I guess, it's Daisuke Nishio who directed this episode, who is the director of Dragon Ball. I think Z after this? Like, he's listed as a director in the opening, but Minoru Okazaki is like the main director. So I guess eventually he takes over okay but yeah yeah
2: no there are some really great shots in this and
4: yeah the tone the
2: build-up of gear and character like by having him also fight the I mean, Yamcha briefly too we also are establishing yeah this guy means business he is a strong guy so he is an opponent Goku's gotta watch out for
3: -hmm, Yeah, yeah, I like that
2: a lot. I also like again adding more characterization with this idea of Gyrin, like saying that he gets like itches and rashes
4: from goody goodies, so he has to beat up the goody goodies to make it go away. Yeah, I like I like that dichotomy too. That he's like he come in and you know these guys are picking on him, so you think okay, you know he's just defending himself, but then he goes a little step further and he is actually an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's a total scoundrel. I, I really like that 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 like that. I won't say so much death to his character, but he seems well. Round- I mean, not even well rounded. It's just like there are two sides to him. Like, yeah, if these guys probably hadn't picked him and let him drink his milk, there wouldn't be. You know, they didn't start shit. There wouldn't been no shit. <laughs> but but at the same time, he's also like, yeah, he. You know, now that the shit started, he's gonna pick a fight with everybody, whether they're involved or not.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. No, Giron's a jerk, but yeah. If you mind your own business, he'll leave you alone. But then when you get in the way of his business, he's going to, you know, pick on you now. And you'll be his target. Yeah, and I do, like, yeah, we do see even more sides to your, I like, in a later episode after this, too, when he comes back. So, I like that. I like the anime fleshes out some of these characters who are kind of more one-offs in the manga. But they kind of give them a little more to do. In the show, I appreciate that. But yeah, to comment on also, Master Roshi is Jackie Chun in these scenes. So uh, also, another interesting dub change at the beginning of the scene is when all the characters are at the table and are like discussing, "Hey, where is Master Roshi?" And then you know, we cut over to a shot of Jackie Chun, and the dub Bulma remarks, "Oh, hey, I think I see him over there." It's like, "Oh no, that's just uh, Jackie." And so they kind of like hammer home that, "Oh, huh. like Jackie." it really resembles Roshi from a perspective of other characters. So that's just, they add a little more stuff there and more stuff like Yantra delivering, oh, you know, there's more than just a resemblance, all right, and stuff like that. But then I also like uh, in this scene, though, when Jackie comes in to interrupt the fight, you know, he really knows how to de-escalate the situation by just playing upon Giron's greed and saying, hey, if you cause a ruckus here and fight, like you'll lose out on the prize money. And I appreciate, again, Roshi kind of using, like, his wits and wisdom there to, you know, get his pupil out of a fight rather than like, keep him in one. So, again, HBS uh, experience. I like in the dub how Giron, <laughs> upon hearing, you know, Jackie's comment of, hey, don't you care about the prize money? He's like, "Uh, yeah, money's good. Okay. (laughs) Very funny delivery.
3: Money, I I, I could go for some money.
0: (laughs) Stop it! Don't you realize this is against the rules? Fighting outside the arena is a serious infraction that will get you both kicked out of the tournament. I don't care about the staking rules, Krabs. I guess you don't care about the prize money either. Uh If you beat the kid now, you get nothing. If you beat him in the arena, you're well on your way to becoming rich. It's your choice, friend. Uh, yeah. Money's good. I'm going to beat you in the arena instead of here. You got lucky. Fat
1: chance. I won't lose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dream on, kid.
1: But... Yeah, no, overall, the first half of this episode is very good, and I I, I think when I first watched these episodes, like, years and years ago, I was still kind of in that mindset of, like, oh, why is all this filler in here? I just want to get to the manga stuff. But nowadays, I I actually really appreciate, like, how Toei handles kind of padding out these episodes with this original stuff. Like, I think it actually adds to the material uh, in a way that I, I don't think I saw the first time I watched these.
2: Yeah, much like the anime original content in Yugo Show*, I think Original Dragon Ball has a lot of stuff that, like, enhances and uh, builds on the story material in a way that, you know, I think oftentimes uh, even improves certain characterizations or perfe- and certain story elements, uh, mm-hmm. especially in some later arcs, too. So I, I really like it. And, of course, these episodes are very well-paced and well-directed as, like, singular pieces, and they flow well, too, side by side. But, yeah, I mean... This next half, uh, you know, is pretty straightforward adaptation, I think. But uh, yeah, they're also pretty paced well.
1: Mm-hmm. I was gonna say uh, w- one thing I was not expecting going into this, uh, going into this anime in particular, is like uh, how well paced the fights are. Just because, like, I-, I-, I think they go at the right speed. Like, I never feel like the anime is dragging out the fights in particular. Like, I-, I-, I always feel like they go at like the right speed, and I mean. I think in this episode in particular, there were still one or two moments where, like, uh, well, I guess with, with like, uh, Goku versus Giron, we get to the actual fight. I think the one moment you could make an argument for uh, in terms of, like, oh, they have to, like, extend the episode maybe by, like, an extra couple seconds is, like, around the time when Giron uses his bungee gum against Goku. Sorry, I had to get my hunter-hunter joke in there. yeah um, <laughs>
3: There I'm not gonna lie, uh, I completely forgot what the actual name was, so when I was watching it, I was just like, Oh, he used the bungee gum.
4: I don't know what it is in the dub, but it's goodo goodoo gum and uh yeah in Japanese. But yeah, no, that I, I get I get where Colton's going with it. Yeah, there was a lot of things there were a lot of moments where it's like, okay, I well, get it. Well one moment I was gonna talk
1: about in particular real quick what was around the point where Goku has to like break out of the gum, like you know, I, I don't really like blame them for extending that because I think like you could also argue like, oh, like by extending that bit a little bit, like they're showing like how hard it is to break out of uh Giron's gum. So I think I think that's what they were going for. But also I could see them being like, ah, this episode's not long enough. Add, add like 30 more seconds here. You know, I, I think it, it works, but I think it was it was like the only time where I thought like. Okay, let's let's get the show on the road, or whatever. That, that's just me being impatient, though. It's
2: a little drawn out, but it's also very well-directed with some interesting background animation. We're, like, zooming in on Goku as he's, like, about to break out and, like, zooming out. Like, uh, there's some dynamic camera movement there that I think keeps it interesting to watch. Even though, yeah, they are, like, extending this for the sake of filling some a little extra time. But I think it's also a good, like, tension building to see like you know if goku can break out of this you know it's not as easy as it uh is in the manga the it would be
4: implied to, i mean yeah we've got to keep in mind too in the in the sense of giving 10 uh building tension there are people who are probably watching this who have not read the manga that's so, true <laughs> yeah they probably you know well manga reader yeah we would be bored by this because it's like we already know what's gonna happen <laughs> but if you're like a 10 year old kid who's some for whatever reason hasn't read the manga then yeah that tension really is kind of like it's important no I won't say it's important but I can see why Toei totally want to be enticed people who haven't read it to kind of you know feel that same tension I mean it's it's the bad it, it is the double-edged sword of reading the material before you watch it you know that, yeah yeah though one thing though I, I did want to say really quick is like uh, we were talking about how much Guran's an asshole and then he pointed like I love that with the whole thing with the Kintone. He's the one who like, "Hey, that's not fair. That's that's totally not fair." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's I mean I get like it makes sense because he doesn't want to like you know obviously concede the match to that. And if Goku could keep doing that, then what's the point? So like he's not wrong, but I just like that the way that it just comes off like I can cheat, but that kid, no, 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 that's not cool. <laughs>
1: I'm very glad that Toriyama showed enough restraint to, like, to use Kinto-un just once and then not again. Because if you were just able to use that time and time again, there'd be no tension with with Goku's fights in particular. Mm.
2: But it's also a clever use because, you know, we haven't seen Kinto-un in a while. And, yeah, like, of course Goku could use that if he gets, like, thrown out of the ring. But then, of course, you know, after doing it once, yeah, it's good that he makes it so that, oh, it's not something Goku can, like, get out of you know by the same method again so you'll have to find different solutions next time so i, I think it was well done here
1: yeah i do wonder i mean I-, I know i've heard some people complain about king to un for whatever reason but i think personally that you can make a better argument for like maybe like his tail growing back might be just a little too convenient
2: Mm, I mean, yeah, it does basically end the fight immediately because he gives him the strength to break out of the merry-go-round gum and then. Yeah, yeah. You know, Giran just gives up. He waits to fight, which is funny. And like all these fights in the 21st battle, okay are basically comedy fights. You know, there's a, there's a little drama in the Jackie fight goku fight but most of these are comedy fights so it's not meant to be taken that seriously
1: that's true but
2: know. yeah it is kind of an anti-climax that goku you know it's a it's a fun surprise for goku to grow his tail back you know to avoid giron's punch and then break out with the gun and then just surprise him into submission <laughs> but it also is like it feels like kind of a little too convenient a way to get out of like a really satisfying to the fight but again these fights are being really played for the comedy and so the comedy of like Giron is being so freaked out of like goku's increased strength once he gets his tail back and like what you're not human and just being so flummoxed that he just waves a white flag like literally <laughs> is it is a very funny thing that this big scary monster especially with the build-up we had in that first match about like how tough and scary a guy it is. I think we missed this comment, but I like this comment of, like, so the one guy who managed to avoid his first, like, tail strike, who landed on his feet, is like, oh, you'll live long, like, point, point one second longer than the rest of them. And <laughs> the is <guy's laughs> like, I like <laughs> you, I'll kill you last.
3: Like,
2: that, that, that kind of guy. The guy who was, like, openly talking about how he's gonna kill people he hates and is getting his way to just, like, be, like, scared witless <laughs> and, to, like, giving up, just because Goku tail, this little kid, is very Not
3: some JoJo-level stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Giron, the fucking,
1: like, Western action movie star. That was was so good. Um, I think the fight overall is pretty fun, though. One one moment I I really wanted to shout out was at the beginning where Giron tricks Goku into thinking he has, like, something in his hand and then punches him. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's literally it's yeah. literally the same kind of thing that I have done to my dog before, where it's like wh- when I'm trying when I'm trying to get his attention and he just won't fucking listen to me at all. And I'll I'll just like hold up my hand, nothing in it, and he'll think I'll have like a like a treat or something. He'll come to me, and then I'll just like grab him and hug him because I want to grab him and hug him. I feel bad for tricking him, but it's the only way I could grab him and hug him. <laughs> That's by <laughs> tricking him. Um, but yeah, no, the, the the fight overall, I I do think it's a fun one, and I, I think episode twenty three overall is like a pretty good episode.
2: Yeah, I wasn't very fond of it, like I mentioned before, though. So- Honestly, in watching these set of three episodes, I think episode 24 might actually be the best of the lot. So. Okay. I'm very excited to get into it. But, uh, I will also say I just on other thought about the dub narration. I like how in the dub narration for the close of the episode, like, the narrator like, mentions with the help of a very special cloud, uh, in Goku's victory. So, you know, like a little bit of knowledge in kiki in that complements the animation of the cloud in the sky, which, uh, I just appreciate and it. it's not really there in the sub uh, version. So yeah. That's uh, about it I think on twenty street for me. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I mean I guess unless anyone else has anything to say, we can we can just kinda of move on to episode twenty four. Um I see that's I, I really like all three of these episodes. It's really hard to pick a favorite, but I, I do think I do think episode twenty four I think has my favorite moment in this set of episodes is with like the announcer going up to interview Goku and Krillin uh, right before Krillin and Jackie Chun's fight. And then Jackie Chun comes up and just puts on a, puts on a little show.
3: Yes. Oh yes. yeah. That's my favorite too.
2: Yeah. No, episode 24 is just a laugh riot. <laughs> just so many great jokes beginning to end in the Kirby and Jackie fight. And then the pre-match interview with Goku and Krillin. like it's just, Great, like the little manzai routine, go Goku and have like, yeah. oh, are you offering me this mic to eat? And the girl, goes, no, this is something you like speak into and you make noise. And then the uh, and this, I like. It. In between the dub and sub, the announcer takes it differently, because in the sub they're now just like, ha I really enjoy your routine, and then in the dub he's like, oh ha a joke, yes very funny, like he's a little passive aggressively annoyed by it, so I like both reactions to that there but yeah, it's very it's very fun, like and that, you know, Goku, like <laughs> kind of flummoxes the both the announcer and the audience with some of his answers to his question also curve it as well. Like him being taking the gas said, Wait a minute, you're younger than me? I thought you were older and Goku's like, Oh no, Bowman told me how to count. And I realized uh actually uh twelve comes after eleven, not fourteen, which is like Toriyama retconning a and Goku to be younger. Yeah, yes. Just because oh, he realized, okay. Oh, I have. I can't like if Goku will grow up too fast if he's 14, so I should make him a little younger to give me some extra time.
4: Also, can we talk about the animation for, like, Roshi's concert, though? That was actually... (laughs) Yeah,
2: the background animation, especially when, like, they're doing the somersault, it's, like, so good. Actually, that's also incredible background animation when Kurt is, like, lunging at Jackie at the start of their fight, too. Like, there's yeah they really went in with some dynamic like uh animation and so many scenes here especially background animation is especially so challenging like the fact that they went for it in different instances just uh you know enhance some of these moments is very fun and i really like it but yeah also the character animation on jackie and goku when they're doing their little song and dance is really funny as well uh, and yeah in both versions both dub and sub I like the song I guess the, for me in the dub the lyric of a martial artist's life is the only life for me is more memorable but I love like just uh, ba da boom ba like whatever that <laughs> Jackie is doing in the sub too and of course like when the cut when the song ends and just the cut to like the audience mount a ag- gate <laughs> they're mount a gate just a silent split sh- <laughs> second shot of just the audience like speechless They're out of game <laughs> Jackie's performance not knowing how to process it it just kills me every time.
1: I do think that's the funniest part of that bit actually that that made me laugh the most was like after he gives the mic back, you just have like straight like 10 seconds where the audience is just fucking speechless. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so just
2: good. A shot, then the process. And then there's no comma. The match just begins right after that. Just makes yeah, just that's the other
1: thing. The timing
4: kind of, of it. I mean, what can you say, honestly? It, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I totally forgot about that whole scene. So it was a great little surprise when they went into that. I'm like, oh, wow, this that's right. This hit happened. And it's like the whole episode is really well animated. But that, especially, they went so far in like giving that so much care like i I can imagine a bunch of animators just being like i i I can't wait for us to do this (laughs) like (laughs) seeing that the storyboard and being like i need to
1: (laughs) god and goku like joins him and everything like yes it's i i think it was the part of the episode that like like made me feel the happiest like it it was so fun
2: yeah giving little peace signs at the end it's very funny
4: it's great that they're, they're both in sync, too, so it makes me... I was just thinking, just joking to myself, did they practice this beforehand?
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. They're very well choreographed. <laughs> like something that's supposed to be spontaneous. Well, I
1: mean, as as we as we see later on in episode 25, Goku can just copy other people's techniques. So maybe, may, maybe he saw Roshi dance at one
4: point and was like oh, hey, I, I know <laughs> how to do this, or whatever. <laughs> okay, well, that's 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 great establishing lore, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I also love when Roshi calls out the audience in the beginning, and need, it's like, hey, it's Chun-chan. It's like, he's <laughs> doing such a cute voice, and and like he's trying to be cute, like, it's very really funny. To me. Uh, the performance is just so good on both ends, with Microfriar in the dub, and then, of course, the original Seiyu with the sub. So.
3: you ジャッキー選手の登場です。それでは早速試合 do a papira. A Junjo hey hey hey. hey hey
4: Wow. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: if it's not at the start of this episode of the podcast it's gonna be somewhere I'm putting it somewhere um but yeah I mean this whole episode's pretty good too I I do generally like the fight between Jackie Chun and uh, and krillin uh especially when we get to the point where like uh the, the audience and the announcer can't keep up with their fight and the announcer's like Hey, can you like run by what just happened and have to like literally reenact like the last second or two of the fight is always pretty good.
2: Yeah, we're only on episode twenty-four of Dragon Ball, and already like they're moving faster than most people can keep up, which is really goes to show you how fast they must be later on. Because as they're describing and reenacting the fight, which is just a hysterical scene from beginning to end, Kuririn and Jackie just reenacting what happened in their fight is like. The entire sequence from the start of their scuffle of, like, you know, going in for a kick and then dodging and then dodging all these, like, spit and buggers and then deciding <laughs> to rock their stickers. Like, Curran says that all took seconds and it's like, okay, we're already establishing that these guys are moving at way faster than superhuman speed already so you got you know people complain that it's ridiculous that the tournament happened in only 48 minutes but honestly if if this scene that we just saw happened in just 0.2 seconds or one second or whatever it's like you know what i can believe it (laughs) with this how the scale goes later on
1: no that's totally fair um uh I, i was looking up um stuff about some of these episodes on like the dragon ball wiki and i uh, I, I like the little trivia bit that they list for episode 24, where literally they're just like, uh, where they point out how like, it's funny that Krillin can like, shoot boogers out of his nose, even though it's been established that he doesn't have a nose. <laughs>
2: right, it like, contradicts like the earlier episode, the Mercurian fact, which is... Call back to him in the dub, like, the dub calls back to the fact, oh, I already had engaged with germ warfare before, so I knew what to do. I knew how to handle Jackie using, throwing to spit at me. But, like, yeah, no, in that Victorian fight, the reason he won is that he realized, oh, wait, I don't even know, because I can't smell how bad he is. But now, apparently, he has at least some part of his body where he can shoot boogers out of, so that's interesting. But yeah, I also like, yeah, the dub ads this exchange of when they decided to do rock, paper, scissors, Krillin remarks, yeah, yeah, I know, I should have stuck with German warfare, which I also just like that comment.
1: One small difference I want to point out that, um, because I'm trying to do a better job of like, kind of skimming through the manga before watching these episodes in case I find any like interesting differences. Um, So in the manga, around the point when uh, Krillin throws out uh, the panties to lure Master Roshi into an attack. Um, in the manga, they're clearly tagged as Bulmas, which is interesting, whereas in the anime, you don't see that. Yeah, how would he get those? Yeah, I see, See, that's the thing. I don't I don't know if I really want to think about Krillin <laughs> no. sneaking underwear from Bulma, especially since it's like, when would he have had the chance to do that?
2: Unfortunately, Krillin in early Dragon Balls looks a little perv. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, he also purves on Bulma later on in the Red River Army yeah, But also, yeah. I don't know how he would. They have <sighs> not really interacted much in the manga in particular. So in yeah. the anime, maybe you could say maybe get an opportunity, but at some point somehow, even though that I would don't want to uh, and I shudder to think how, but yeah, it's all the best that they uh, erased that, erased having a name on the panties and the and the anime.
1: I think it's funnier that Krillin just has a random pair of underwear that he that he saved for. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I think I think that's a lot funnier personally, especially since it, it clearly works. And then Roshi has to do a Kamehameha to keep himself in the ring, and I thought that was a really cool moment.
2: Yeah, and all this time, like Yansha has been trying to get jackie to confess he's roshi like there's a great exchange towards beginning episode where he confronts jackie and says hey you're roshi right and he's like well well if you think that i will have to tell you the truth i am big pause and then it's like a big i'm just saying he's jackie and then, yeah, and when he sees that Jackie has fallen for Kurian's trick with the panties and gets kicked out, now I'm just like, what? He can't be Master Roshi. Even Master Roshi wouldn't have fallen for a trick like that, which is so ironic because he doesn't really know the extent of how pervy Roshi is at this point because he's never really seen Roshi much in that capacity. So, yeah, he, he wouldn't think necessarily that Roshi would fall for a trick like that. But it, it's just a funny bit of irony there. Horny Roshi has no limits. <laughs> yeah, no. And then, uh, skipping ahead, I like at the end when he tries to pull off Jackie's hair, and I'm like, wait, so it's not a wig? And he's like, no. Ooh. And it's like, oh, well, maybe you had hair all along. You're just wearing a ball cap. And yeah, it's just, the like, is sure trying to really goes through all the possibilities of how to prove that Jackie is actually Roshi and just just making Roshi so annoyed
1: yeah that was pretty good um yeah but I I think I think overall the fight while there are still some pretty good comedic moments I think it's still actually like a pretty like good fight too
2: yeah no it's really well I mean indirected
1: they, they get in some good hits
2: mm-hmm and I like Roshi has a bit of pride that Kurin, like, gets up after, like, their initial exchange of blows that caused Kurin to, you know, collapse on the ground. Like, he gives a little smile, like, well, well, like, he can handle more than I thought. Like, again, I like Roshi taking some pride in, like, how his students have grown, even though he's trying to teach them that, hey, there's always someone stronger, so I gotta beat you down.
4: Yeah, yeah. I do like the idea of him just being, like, actually impressed by students. Like, okay, okay, they they can take care of themselves, and that's good. You know, I, I've always liked the fact that, you know, Roshi entered the tournament specifically so they don't get complacent. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I've always liked that reason, Way even way back when I first started the series, which is, like, you could easily have him just show up there to just kind of, you know, showboat. But, no, there's a reason, you know. I don't want these two to think that because it also goes to show how much he thinks he knows his well, not knows or thinks, whichever that his training is, you know, effective because the fact that he's like, yeah, these guys, he's pretty cognizant of the fact that they could probably blow through their competition easily win this and then kind of just, you know, shirk off after that. But the fact that he decides to enter so that they don't do that, you know, I've I've always really liked that. And the fact that he is proud of them in his own way.
2: Yeah, I mean that's really the central like conflict in the heart of the arc. It's like Roshi trying to impart this message to his students, and yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good storyline for it.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess we can start talking about episode twenty five. And um... well,
2: one last comment I have about twenty four. Sure. Just yeah. going back to them reenacting the scuffle between Jackie and. Curran, like i like how they get the tournament announcer involved to reenact like the jump kick and then he has to you know hold Curran while he's like trying to reenact the part where he fly- is like flying back from the kick and then he has to flip Curran, and he like almost drops him and Curran's like upset at him it's like hey watch it it's like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like i love how they get the announcer involved there just like the extra bit of comment, also the dedication to meticulously reenact every step of their, f- their exchange—it's just very funny. Again, this this episode is just so rife with great humor.
1: It's a really good episode, yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of going to episode twenty-five. Um, V-ler, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you wanted to come on to talk about this one in particular.
3: Yeah, I mean, like it's definitely like uh, one of the most memorable Dragon Ball episodes for me. Partially because, yeah, it's the Nam versus Goku fight primarily. And I just kind of really like the fight and just seeing, like, Nam's reactions to all of Goku's tactics. Plus, just, I really liked Nam as a character growing up. So, like, it was cool actually seeing the fight unfold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do
1: agree. I, I I like some of his reactions to Goku's moves. And uh, I think I, I have written down in my notes, uh, Goku decides to turn into a Beyblade and let her rip. <laughs>
3: yes.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Especially the way, like, Nozawa, like, uh, like the noises she makes when Goku's spinning around and, she, and he's all like... Bruh! or whatever <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. oh that drove it. Oh, oh, Goku spinning and I... he's so funny yeah he just like spins around and it's like he's spinning you faster and I'm to counter and he gets him all the way to the edge of the ring but then if he falls short because he just gets too dizzy <laughs> but Namu almost stumbles out anyway and just in the nick of time manages to catch himself before he
1: out. Nam almost stumbles out because he he did a comedic pratfall and it almost made him go yeah. out of the
2: ring. <laughs> Such a good use of a yeah, gag trope.
1: Uh, maybe that was Goku's plan all along. <laughs> <laughs> all according to Kitaku. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, generally, I, I think this fight's pretty good. Uh, I definitely remember this being a fight in the manga that I thought was uh, generally pretty good. Uh, Especially the way when we get to the points where, like, Nabu, you know, jumps up in the air and does his, uh, I, I think they call it in the manga, like, his heavenly cross attack or something, where, uh, I think they do a good enough job depicting it in the anime, but, like, it's also really hard to beat, like, uh, how well Toriyama does in, like, really conveying the speed and strength overall of, like, uh, some of the moves in this fight, especially with that attack, like, you know, especially in the manga when, when I read it for the first time, you know, when Nabu jumps up a second time and then Goku jumps up to try to, like, catch up to him, like, you you really feel, like, the speed and impact of, like, all these moves. Like, it, it's done really masterfully. And I, I think it's done pretty well in the anime, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is a, another really well-directed fight. Like, the manga only has the strength of really dynamic poses, and Toriyama is so great at the action. But I think the anime does a really great job of communicating the intensity of hits, too, and having some just interestingly directed shots, especially with the noms you know, heavenly airstrikes and him jumping up in the air, like him and Goku jumping up in the air. The scene where, like, they're fighting in midair, like Dragon Ball's first real midair battle is really good. And really funny, too, when Nam's like, like swimming in the air to get to Goku and continue to fight. It's just very fun.
1: Oh, man. And, and especially, like, when Goku is flying up and he flies past Nabu and he's still in the middle of the attack, uh, in the middle of his attack, and then he's shocked and, like, the music stops... <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was a good touch, um, I, and I, I also love how uh, even the announcer, while, while he's like commentating on the fight, and he's like, "Oh man, my neck's really tired," like looking up <laughs> as high as I am or whatever. Uh, and also, I also love the detail of um, when Namu jumps up. He's like literally, literally like flying through clouds and stuff. Like I I love little yeah. stuff like that. Mm.
4: Yeah, yeah, I really like that little um detail. Like instead of just him flying through like a blue background, there're actually clouds and everything so you can see that there's like a sense of him rising upward and everything like that. I remember just thinking, like, when he jumped up in the air and then Goku followed, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if they just missed each other? (laughs) 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 And then that happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess
1: I called that one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think Goku's final move in particular is really good, where, like, he gets back to the ground first, and then jumps back, and then leaps into Nam as he's, like, falling down, and just kicks him, like, man that stuff is so good <laughs>
2: yeah especially with the tangent of now i'm trying like you know he's seeing what goku's doing trying like mid-air while he's falling to like turn around so he can land on his feet to avoid the strike but he isn't able to do it so goku kicks him straight in the stomach and kicks him out like mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a really good sequence
1: um but yeah overall i think um man it's 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 hard to choose but i think um I think in terms of, like, just a straight fight, I think this one was probably the most entertaining to me. I mean, uh, Kr- Krillin and Jackie Chun's fight is good, uh, but I think I also like that fight for different reasons. You know, th- th- the main reason being, like, it's a more comedic fight. Uh, so I think that fight makes me laugh more. But in terms of, like, a straight battle, like, d- arguably, I think, Dragon Ball's first, like, real straight battle, mostly. I, I think this is, like, a good
4: start.
2: Yeah, it's a tra- this is more of a traditional fight than the other two, which are more gag focused. I mean, this one's also mostly played for comedy, even though there is like some more dramatic tension with Nam's motives and stuff. And the, but yeah, like this feels more like a traditional fight in terms of the action, whereas the rest were like mostly gag based. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I really love, uh, these episodes. I, I think that I would rank this probably the least out of the three, which is not to disparage at all, but I just, I really thought episode 24 was just so hilarious. So, like, I watched. These episodes like three times in prep for this podcast, like <laughs> uh, twice sub, one sub, and it's like, yeah, episode 24, I just love, and 23 I'm so fond of, and 25 I also really love because I love Nama as a character, but yeah, it's it's a tough one, but you know, all very good. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably, again, yeah, Stronger is probably the most uh, satisfying traditional fight, but I think 24 is just such a great comedy showcase uh, start to finish that I, I love that most and then I just love the character stuff in Giron and, and uh, how that episode was paced it shows 23
1: I think um, just to kind of finish up this episode I, I, I do like a lot of the stuff with Roshi and Namu at, kind of at the end and and also like you know Namu's just such a cool guy like you know I, I feel bad for him because obviously like he, he ends up losing but he's still like such a great sport you know he, he knows good sportsmanship. He, 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 he shakes Goku's hand at the end and tells him to keep trying. And it's nice.
2: And he does come. Yeah, I like the moment of sportsmanship where like he walks up to Goku and, you know, gives him a handshake. And he said, thank you. That was a match I won't soon forget. You're a great fighter. Like I like that bit of camaraderie there. And at least in the anime, that's going to come back. Like Goku and Nam are going to interact again in some future episodes. So, mm, OK, I like that. And yeah, I also like, you know, even though Nam loses the fight, he does win in getting what he wants in terms of water for his village. And I, you know, I like the twist, like we assume that, you know, Nam needs to get money because he needs to buy the water. But because he's, you know, from a foreign land, he doesn't realize that he's in a region where he can freely take water, which I think is clever because it's also a place where, you know, the audience kind of assumes Um, One thing as well, and and we're just as surprised as not, is when Roshi tells them otherwise. And I also appreciate that that Dragon Ball isn't living, isn't as a cruel, capitalistic world in which all resources are things that you have to pay for if you don't have money, you're at so well.
1: I'm not even kidding. I I have that exact thing written in my notes. Glad to know that the Dragon World hasn't become so much of a capitalist hellscape that we're hoarding water yet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Water is still free for all. We're not not starving people. We're not... Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. So, I'm glad that Nam was able to take as much water as he needed, uh, from the well, and it was nice for she giving him that capsule, cause he, I also like this establishes kind of a, a small recurring thing in Dragon Ball of this idea that, you know, experienced martial artists, you know, have the ability to remind, like, Jackie's able to do it with Nam, and then, of course, we see Goku you do it a few times, most notably when he arrives on Namek uh, and reads Ker and so and stuff. So I like establishing that as early as here. Um, and yeah, like, again, I like just the exchange between Nam and Jackie. I, yeah, yeah, Nam and Jackie a lot. Like, I like Nam telling him, like, oh, thank you for trusting me with your secret. And Jackie's like, hey, it's no problem. You don't need to repay me. But then, like, realizing, oh, actually, yeah, can you help me out with something would you be interested in helping out? So I like that Nam returns Jackie here by helping him convince Yamsha that he and Roshi are different people. And I like how Yamsha is just f- so flummoxed about that. It's like, oh man, I guess I owe you an apology. And I like the uh, Jackie's response to the dub is, yeah, you owe me more than an apology. Uh, it's, it's a good exchange. But yeah, I like the the layers between Nam and Jackie, Nam Roshi here. It's really nice.
1: No, it's good. I All I could think was like, you know, I just imagine Yamcha being like, oh, it's Roshi, and he's looking more tan than normal.
3: Yeah, no. <laughs> he must have went to the beach.
2: <laughs> in the manga, like, Nam doesn't have, like, a different skin tone, so, you know, it. I mean, he still has, uh, you know, his dot, so it's, you, you can still tell it's him, but Yamcha doesn't seem to realize. But, yeah, in the anime, it's, like, very more obvious that he has a darker skin. Tone, but I guess Yamcha just thinks he's more tan or something. He maybe you know, he hasn't seen Roshi in a while, I guess. So, you know, for all he knows, he, he he got a little more tan out in this, like, remote island, all in the sun and whatnot.
3: Yeah, he just got tan and converted to Hinduism. No big deal. For Master Roshi.
4: I mean... Hey, there's there's no evidence to it otherwise, so let's just go with that. <laughs> I'm still not on board that this Jackie Chun guy is Roshi anyway. <laughs> it's it's not it's not Yamcha's fault
1: that Roshi's gaslighting the fuck out of Yamcha uh, into thinking he's Jackie Chun. <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh man. I guess
2: one weird thing about like when Roshi is telling Nam about like his goal and entering the tournament to teach Goku and Kuren is like he introduces Goku and again, even though like Nam knows who they are. Nam just fought Goku, so he doesn't really need to, like, oh, one of my students is named Goku. You just fought him. <laughs> yes, like he knows that. He knows his name. You don't need to tell him that again.
1: I, I guess that is kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess um, I don't know if I have like a lot to say about these episodes at this point. I-, I think they were all very good. I think this is around the point in the 21st tournament where I start to get a little more excited for some of these fights as they like become a little more traditional. Like, not that I don't like the gag fights, but th- that's just kind of my thing with this tournament specifically is that I start off like, you know, liking it like, oh, this is a fun time. Like, I I, th- I think the fights like get better as the tournament goes on. So I'm really really looking forward to talking about goku versus jackie chun next time on the show
2: yeah goku versus Jackie is probably the most satisfying like more traditional fight of it i would say that all of the 21st budogai matches are mostly comedy fights like I, like the jackie goku fight will have more tension and stuff but uh you know, I I feel like that's what I like about this, is that this is still kind of an era where Dragon Ball is playing more into the comedy. And I, I think that's what sets this tournament arc apart from the later ones. Like, 22nd Budokai has a few matches that are more for comedy, but it's mostly a more serious uh, tournament. Like, right from that first match uh, with Tenchanan versus Yansha. And then 23rd Budokai is also the same way. But this one is, like, it's a little more silly. We get to have, like, some new faces, uh which we get less so as the tournaments go on. Like, there isn't another tournament after this where, like, we have a match between two people. We haven't met before, like, the non farm fight. So... Yeah, I think that's what makes the tournament stand out. And I? I like the humor of it. <laughs> again, like, again, I really, really thought that Jackie Kerr and 5 was so hilarious.
1: It was pretty good. Yeah, uh,
2: I, I appreciate that. But I also I appreciate a lot of these fights and the humor they're going for with Goku and Giron and then Kerr and Bacteria and stuff like that.
1: No, for sure. Um, I feel like Lum and I kind of took over the show a lot, unless like either Sakaki or V-Lord, if you have any other like final thoughts you want to put out there before we end the show soon. Your power levels
4: are too immense. That's all it is.
3: <laughs> We're cowering in fear.
4: <laughs> I mean, I guess overall, yeah, I like these episodes. Like, they, they are, they're a really good set piece, just, like, as a unit on their own. Like, they work really well together. And the fact that the last one ends on a point where, you know, we have this last, the Namu versus Goku fight, and that's over with, and Namu gets what he wants, and... Yeah, I I just think the three of these episodes together, work. they have really good synergy. Like, you you know, the next episode that we get in 226 starts, you know, the big fight, obviously, with the preview and everything. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I don't have anything really that I would say that, oh, this could have been done better or this wasn't as good. I mean, they were just, they, they were very streamlined, just very, you know, you watch them and they go down, all three of them go down pretty easily. So they had good uh, good comedy, as you guys were saying. like I do agree that. Like this is definitely this first tournament is more about the comedy side of things. And I uh, don't quote me on this, but I do feel like I read somewhere that Toriyama was like, um, he they got really good reception for the for the tournament. so I wouldn't be surprised that later on as he started doing them, that's why I started taking them more seriously. Like maybe this first one was just the thing. He was just like, okay, you know, I feel like doing a tournament. Let's just do it and I'll have a little bit of fun with it. But then people are like, oh, people like this now.
1: Yeah, he's very much he's very much like in his comfort zone at this point, whereas like the other tournaments will definitely evolve past what they are right now. Yeah. Yeah,
2: he's still playing to comedy. Dragon Ball, I think the turning point for when it starts to take its stakes and its uh fights and conflicts a little more seriously is when Tao shows up. Yeah. So, yes, my And guy. I think that sets the tone <laughs> for then the, the 22nd bidokai, And then, of course, he and Piccolo is a big shift.
4: Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah tells my guy, so I can't wait to get to him. Oh, I'm that's going to be so good. Him. Yeah,
1: uh, V-Lord, anything else you want to say before we go?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm basically in the same line as Sakaki. Like, I think all three of these episodes are just really solid. And honestly, I think they, like, kind of hit the key points of what I really like about this arc. Just the comedy and also kind of the mixes of action in there that are like not super serious but it's just kind of fun and that's what i really like about dragon ball all the fun
1: yeah no i, I totally agree but yeah no i mean like we said overall these episodes were good and uh yeah i, I don't think we have anything else to say um i guess other than you know th- th- thank you and v lord for coming on the show this was this was a lot of fun
2: Thank you for having us. Like, I love uh, revisiting Dragon Ball. These are great episodes. I had a blast watching them. (laughs) I watched them several times because I enjoyed them so much. So, yeah, thank you. It's always a blast to revisit uh, classic Dragon Ball.
3: Yeah, same here. You can never have too much Dragon Ball unless you just, like, watch Dragon Ball 24-7, which is not (laughs) a good choice. (laughs) I'm surprised
2: that isn't a stream on uh Pluto TV yet.
3: Yeah, and we, they have a Lupon stream but not a Dragon Ball stream. That's weird to think about. Toei has hmm. a
2: One Piece stream. You think they do Dragon Ball one? Maybe
1: one day. You
2: know. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Hmm. I feel like you get a lot of people in with that. Um but anyway, uh, I guess join us next time as we talk about episodes uh 26 to 28 and uh, yeah, we're going to get into like we said earlier, the Goku versus Jackie Chun fight and finish off the tournament and uh, b- b- um, move on to the red ribbon army arc, except not really. Cause like Lum said, there are three episodes beforehand that are a uh, complete anime original that we kind of mention here
2: uh, and there. Well, actually you will get to the red ribbon army arc immediately. I mean, Episode twenty nine is kind of standalone, but the the Red Ribbon Army gets introduced in that fillers. Uh, okay. The kind of anime original filler stuff that starts in episode thirty. So it's very interesting. I'm curious on your talks of it if you haven't seen it before. But yeah.
1: No, yeah, that's kind of the thing I'm like interested in covering the most. Going through Dragon Ball specifically is like all the anime original stuff that I'm not familiar with. So yeah, that'll be fun. But um, yeah, I'm definitely excited to finish off the tournament next time. But until then, uh, we might as well sign off and let people know where they can find us. Um, Lum, do you want to start first?
2: Yeah, I mean we're both among merits, so I guess I'll leave you to mention that. But yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Lumramiasha and on various places by that name Animus Revelation any list There's a any of That's you can find me you can read my manga reviews on ondashkama.com i got a lot of books going in a lot of reviews going out so look forward to more on there that's also you can find in the podcast I do including Manga Mavericks and also Lump Squad the Jurassic Focus focused podcast I do with my good friend Andrew AC Yoshimura. we talk about the wonderful World of Book of classic manga Jurassic we're having a lot of fun going through and covering Wizard's releases of the manga as well as Movies out there on Crunchyroll, well. so look forward to more episodes of One Squad. And that's also where you can find my reside Movies, to show that me and Wheelord do, covering anime movies mainly, though we haven't recorded one in a while because Wheelord's been too busy. Uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you can also find, uh, if you like the art I make uh, for our podcasts or the art i do in general animations illustrations and like you can find that stuff on my instagram at set artworks
1: all right please definitely go follow lum and all of their stuff and um, if, listen to manga mavericks as i'll bring up later um v lord you next uh t- t- tell us about all your podcasts
3: <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, so uh, <laughs> I guess first off, you can find me on Twitter at gtz and then I write various things for alldashcomic.com as well as tsunamifaithful.com, so check out all that stuff. But yeah, I do a bunch of podcasts, the most prominent of which is the Demon Slayer podcast at D Slayer Podcast on Twitter, uh, but there's also the Overslow Shaman King podcast at Shaman King Pod. Uh Saturday Night Shoggy, which I do with Sakaki at Sat Night Shogi, and then my general anime manga podcast, weebs Podcast, on Twitter at Dumbweebs Pod. So uh check out all of those.
1: Alright, and definitely please go check out all of V Lord's podcast. I uh I, I, I listen to uh, admittedly not all of them, but I do listen to a lot of them. So uh I I don't listen to Shaman King just because I haven't read it ready yet, but one day I will.
3: We need to change that. <laughs>
1: I, I promise I'll get to it one day. Um, but here, yeah, the, pl- please go follow both Lum and V Lord stuff. And I guess, Sakaki, it's your turn.
4: Where can, the, can people find you? Yes. Uh, you can find me at WSSTV on Twitter. Which is the weekly Shogakukan edition, which is odd for me to be on a jo- Shonen Jump Show, but here I am. <laughs> um, Cheating I mean, on Sunday. I am, I am. It's so bad. So so would ko- be sad. And I'm watching so many Kodansha animated seasons, so bad. But anyway, uh, yes, I, we talk about Shonen Sunday there, and it's kind of like, I guess, well... I guess, basically, I, I always hate calling it this uh, Saturday Night Shoggy, the weekly Shogakukan edition podcast, because that feels very <laughs> like I'm like I run it and do everything for it. All I am is a host. But yeah, I guess if you are interested in, in like Shonen Sunday, we talk about the magazine do translate interviews, review manga and as like like the tout, just like people likes to talk about being a New York Times sponsored. I, we do what other magazine Twitters don't, which is we cover the whole magazine like every week. So, um, definitely, if you're just interested in knowing what's going on in Sunday, you can come to us. And even recently, we did a kind of a little preview on um, Guess On because uh, Keiichi Arui, who the Nichi Joe artist started a new series in Guess On recently, and I, I love him. So,. I had to, of course, talk about that. The
3: madman ran away from Kodansha.
4: <laughs> yeah, he yeah he went from, what was it? Uh, Kadokawa, I think? Yeah, Kadokawa to Kodansha, Kodansha now no, shigaku Yes, He
3: broke the cycle. <laughs> <laughs>
4: and it's a really good series, so definitely check out that uh, that tweet uh those tweets. Um besides that, we have wsstalkback.blogspot.com which is where again you can find the reviews, uh translation interviews and write-ups on stuff like cons were going to because I, I recent the most recent thing is Otacon, which was early last month. Man time flies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would like to uh, I had fun doing that. So I would love to write more about con write-ups, even if there's not specifically anything Sunday related going on there. But the biggest thing is of course if any anybody's interested in writing about shogakukan series whether it's something that's currently running something that ran years ago it doesn't even have to be a weekly show on sunday shogakukan has a whole lot of magazines out there so you never know you might google something and find out that you're reading a shogakukan manga and you want to talk about it definitely come talk to us we're always looking for new talent um as well as I write things for tsunami faithful yes that's the thing i do and really i think my next thing might be dragon ball related so definitely Ooh. tune in i once i've <laughs> once mm-hmm. i've decided what angle i want to take on it i, I probably will write something <laughs> dragon Ball related. well we're definitely going to promote that when that's out i mean cj promotes us so we should really do the same <laughs> <laughs> but uh and yes at Kirobon k-i-i-r-o-b-o-n uh that's my personal twitter and i've been trying to do stuff on there but lately that's kind of fallen to the wayside but they'll, you know definitely give that a look see if you're just like want to see all the Gun stuff i retweet <laughs> but yeah that, that's where i'm at and as v lord said i'm on way too many shows with him at, at this point we might as well live together <laughs> it would be easier it would be easier to record to record in the same room at this point point.
3: <laughs> one less audio track
4: yeah exactly so i'm, I'm just gonna if you could just go fun, we're gonna start gofundme so i could just go move in with him
3: yeah and then i can build sakaki's pc for him so doesn't have to have that bad Make up laptop. for your mistake and your bad recommendation before. <laughs> I did look at the CPU. <laughs> Mary, okay, the Mary, is equally at fault though. Okay, yes, but okay, Mary, if yes, you're listening, you it's too. all your fault.
4: <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding. Yeah, I Mary, no like V. Lord just totally threw you under the bus. But yeah, at this point, I, I at this point, I should just go to your house for, for virtue that you've seen my house, and since we brought up the Simpsons, you have seen how I live. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: and also you've
4: left you've left articles of clothing at sakaki's house so, so basically you're practically married it's fine i mean exactly. yeah exactly yeah. and i washed his laundry so like what does that make me at this point <laughs> it's like it's got a hanger and it's hanging up all nicely and everything i even like freaking i was i'm your mom that's what i am like <laughs> okay, oh man but yeah yeah definitely definitely hanging i'm at those places all right,
1: please follow Sakaki stuff, too. Uh, as for me, I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I also do my own fair share of podcasts uh, that you can find links to over on my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com, where I basically have a page dedicated to whatever podcast I'm doing at the moment, even some past projects I'm not doing anymore, and even a a lot of guest spots I've done over the years or so. Uh, Please go listen to all my stuff, uh, especially Manga Mavericks. You know, if if you enjoy listening to uh, Lum and I talk especially, uh, and you want to hear us talk more about uh, whatever other manga we're into besides Dragon Ball, please go listen to Manga Mavericks especially. You can find every episode of that at all-comic.com. If you're listening to this, uh, you're probably listening to this on our early feed on the Patreon anyway, so... C- kind of weird how like that stuff works but anyway but uh yeah that's basically about it for like my stuff specifically but as for this podcast uh basically first and foremost you want to follow us on Twitter at another Db pod uh where you'll get the latest updates on the podcast and uh th- and me retweeting a lot of Dragon Ball fan art because that's what the- that's what that account is also for but yeah again that's at another DB pod please follow our website at anotherdbpod.wordpress.com Basically, that's where we'll post the episode first and basically wherever you listen to it, uh, as well as like show notes for every episode and everything. And then, uh, oh, uh, something I keep forgetting to mention every other podcast is uh, if you like the album art for this show, whatever you see on like Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this podcast, um, that was done by my friend Taylor, otherwise known as Tay Samey on Twitter. Uh, Please go follow her uh, if you want to check out more of her art or maybe even like commissioner for something. Uh, I'm personally really proud of uh, the, the art that we've done for the show so far. And uh, yeah, just again, if you like if you like the art for the show, please go follow her. Again, that's at Tay TaySamey on Twitter. If you haven't subscribed to us yet, uh, please subscribe to us on our public feeds again on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're available on a different bunch of uh on a bunch of different podcast platforms at this point, and especially leave us a rating and a review. It really helps the visibility of our show, helps us get out there to more listeners, and definitely makes it easier for people to find uh, whenever people are looking for Dragon Ball podcasts, it'll make it easier to find. I can speak from experience, because when I tried to find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, it was very hard to find our our podcast just using the keywords Dragon Ball. So please, please give us some more ratings and reviews and, and help make this show easier to find. So people can listen to it. And if you do subscribe to us on our public feeds, and this happens to be the episode that you catch up on, um, please, 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 please visit patreon.com slash manga mavericks, uh, where if you go there right now, you'll get to listen to the five newest episodes of this podcast uh, for for just $3. You can sign up for that tier in particular. And yeah, the five newest episodes of this podcast will be waiting for you uh, before they're uploaded to our public feed or anywhere else. Uh, and, yeah, basically, whenever I upload a new episode to the Patreon, we'll upload the oldest episode up on our public feed. We're basically alternating uh, between episodes and whatnot. But if you want to be actually caught up with this podcast, again, that's at patreon.com slash at the $3 tier. We'd really appreciate your support if you're interested. Um, but, yeah, I think. Oh, uh, I almost forgot. Uh, email us anything at DvPod at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on these episodes, uh, any past episodes we talked about, or any episodes that we're going to cover in the future. What are your thoughts on Dragon Ball? Um, you know, just, just send us your thoughts on anything Dragon Ball related or, or related to the podcast, and we'll gladly read them on the show. Um, we've only gotten one email so far, but, you know, we love getting emails, and we would love to read them on the show. We, we, we want to know what you think. Again, that's AnotherDVPod at gmail.com. Send us your emails there and uh yeah okay i think that's actually about it for all of our plugs uh again join us next time on the podcast as we cover episodes 26 to 28 as we finish up the 21st tournament and head on into the red ribbon army arc i'm very excited uh as we bring on another special guest it's gonna be a long time before we have a guestless episode um through through no fault of my own um (laughs) but yeah uh Again, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And uh, I guess until next time, we'll see you guys another day for another adventure.
0: A the martial artist life, life, life is the only, only life, life for me. me. I said a martial artist life is the only life for me. Yay. Yeah, peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go.
2: Thanks. Uh-huh.